0: Hi, I'm Dr. Marsha, and this is the Self-Care Chronicle. As a licensed psychologist, I know that I need to practice good self-care to maintain my mental wellness, but maintaining my self-care routine can be a struggle when things get hectic. So, I started reaching out to my peers to ask them about their experiences with self-care, and I learned that many of my fellow mental health professionals have similar experiences. Join me each week as I connect with a fellow mental health professional to discuss the challenges of managing our own mental wellness in the midst of a pandemic, social unrest, increasing demand for our services, and a struggle to embrace a me first ideology, which sometimes feels wrong to a helping professional. Welcome to the Self-Care Chronicle. Welcome back to the Self-Care Chronicle. This week, I'm connecting with Georgia Bryce. Ms. Bryce is a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified professional life coach, and the owner of Building Families According to Pattern. This brief intro is too short to do justice to Ms. Bryce's excellent work. So to find out more, visit DrMarshaBrown.com after the show. And welcome, Georgia Bryce. Thank you so much for being here today.
1: Thank you for having me, Dr. Marshall.
0: Absolutely. It's my pleasure. My first question is, what was your journey into your current position? And by that, I mean, how did you decide to become a mental health professional? And once you decided you were going to be a mental health professional, what was your journey to the population that you specialize in serving?
1: Sure. So very interesting. I'm coming from this science slash engineering world. I worked as an engineer for about nine and a half years and as a scientist for seven years previous to that. And so somewhere along the line of my journey in that arena, I just kind of hit a brick wall and I got, I don't want to say the word tired, but I've literally hit a brick wall in terms of not being sure that what I was doing with my life was what I wanted to do with my life. And so after a number of years of struggling in that space, I was able to get involved in a mentoring program, where I was able to spend some significant time exploring my own passions and my my desires, what it was that I wanted to do, what impact I wanted to have on my generation and what changes I'd want to levy based on the skills that I have. So therapy was it. There were breadcrumbs along the way, Dr. Marsha, but I probably wasn't paying attention. I served in my church as a lay counselor for a number of years. And I was always one of those people that people would come to for advice and just looking for problem solving I made the decision that I wanted to get involved in therapy. my own personal experiences. I came out of a home where divorce was unfortunately for most of us and so i i I developed a very significant passion for wanting to help families for wanting to help individuals who were struggling with finding their own sense of self and and really becoming the best version of themselves and so In 2013, I decided to embark on a journey with Nova Southeastern University, Go Sharks, to pursue the marriage and family therapy program. And I was there for three years because I was still working as an engineer slash project manager. So the program typically takes two years, but I was there for three years. And when I was through with the program in 2016, I first landed a gig. Part-time gig with a behavioral health agency that dealt with children and families doing in-home therapy. Then I had the opportunity of going into working with the substance abuse population for about a year and a half, and then ultimately into working private practice starting in 2019. My private practice does focus on children and family. It's dubbed building families according to pattern. So that element has always, that thread has always been there. I still serve the population of children uh, between the ages 12 to 17 with a Systemic approach. I don't go into the homes, but a part of what I do require my parents to do is that they have to be a part of the therapeutic process intermittently. So I still work in helping them work through those dysfunctional patterns of communication and interaction. And then I also work with individuals because it's the family system itself. So you will have the children and then you'll probably have individual issues that are going on and then couples therapy. So that's it in a nutshell.
0: Wow. That's a really interesting journey. And can you talk a little bit
1: about the most stressful thing about your job? Ah, well, I have the wonderful opportunity of working with insurance companies. (laughs) Dr. (laughs) Marsha, if you do... You'll know from start to finish whether it's having to ascertain clients' coverage, whether it's having to deal with eligibility issues, authorization issues, claims issues, having to follow up with claims. And then, of course, most of us in our field know the notes writing. Um, pretty intense. I think, I think probably the easiest part of my job, in all honesty, is sitting with my clients and talking with them for the period that we have to talk with them. Everything else does require time and, and energy, the paperwork it's a lot. It's a lot. And it it just comes with the territory though. Mm. I've been successful so far. Uh, The relationships I've had with the two insurance companies I work with have been relatively okay. I still have to pull teeth every now and again. And every now and again, I have to resend and resend and resend a claim, but it's not as intense as I've seen other colleagues have talked about. I've not really had to grapple with some of those um, gigantic issues that they're dealing okay which for which I am grateful. That's a good yeah, absolutely. there's a bright side, right? yeah can you talk a
0: little bit about self-care for you, what it means for you, what your go-to methods
1: are, things like that? Sure. Self-care is of vital importance for anybody in our field in for any field as a matter of fact, but particularly in the field of helps. I will admit that I started I, I started off very well. <laughs> and somewhere along the line i think with covid and with the influx of clients that i was ha- i was getting i kind of lost track of taking time off i do i don't work on fridays i intentionally only work mondays through thursdays and i try to take off on fridays to probably do maybe light administrative work or just just spending the day chilling with friends you know but somewhere along the line i remember last year i looked up in December, I think I kind of crashed in December just from pure fatigue. And it dawned on me that I had not taken a vacation since July. So I was working almost five months straight without recognizing it until I crashed. And I had to just kind of part myself for a week and said, no, I have to bec- become a little bit more mindful. But I do remind myself, I hold myself accountable to that because that's something that I advocate very much for my clients. So, you know, I have to practice what I preach. Um, going to the beach. I haven't been to the beach in a long time but the beach is literally a two minutes drive from me. So I enjoy going out to the beach on maybe on a Sunday morning early, watching the sunrise. Hanging out with friends was always a great part of self-care until COVID came. So every now and again, um, I I have a few friends who are therapists as well. So we probably might have a Zoom date once in a blue moon and just, just doing nothing. Probably going to a restaurant by myself if I'm not out with my fiance, just going to a restaurant by myself with a book having a nice meal, just relaxing, just watching people. Some very basic things. Whatever it is that will take my mind off of work, I will incorporate it, you know? But it's just a matter of consistently reminding myself that I have to do it because I'll honestly admit to you, Dr. Marsha, I've not, especially working from morning till evening, I have to intentionally remind myself Georgia, you need to get off the computer because I will sit at this computer from 8 a.m. until God knows how long past nine o'clock at night. And I have to remind, you know, say every now and again, intentionally, you've got to get off your laptop by this time because and I I'll feel the desire to keep working, but I know it's not healthy. Yeah. Right.
0: Well, there's the problem is all also there's always more to do. Exactly. It's never like you can work enough to get ahead of the game and you don't have any work again for a while. It's there's always more Constant. to do so you can definitely fill your time at the computer like taking care of everything. So it's Absolutely.
1: hard. Absolutely. I know I know you're the interviewer but I also was curious to know from you do you find that that's also one of the challenges that you have
0: with just trying to do more and trying to do unplug yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's one of the challenges (laughs) for me. And I've had to just schedule my time to say, okay, you're done after this. Because the other thing that I would run into is I would say, I'm going to stop at, let's say, six o'clock, right? Uh But then I would have on my list some things to do. I would finish those things at like 540 and say, oh, I can get one more thing done. (laughs) And that one more thing turns into like two hours later, me going, oh my goodness, (laughs) what happened to the time (laughs) I've done, Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. haven't done what I'm supposed to do. So yeah, that's definitely a challenge. And my husband's actually really good at reminding me that like, you need to stop for the day because we're going to do something or go somewhere or whatever. Mm -hmm. So
1: yeah, absolutely. It's a challenge. I agree. I know I have to do a better job, but um, every now and again, I'll hear my voice saying to my clients, self-care, self-care, self-care. And I'm like, okay, Georgia, you need to take your own advice. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I
0: feel like, especially as, as mental health professionals, we're not always great at practicing what we preach. Nope. It's like ah. so many times when I see myself doing something and I know that if a client or a friend had come to me and said the same thing, mm. I would tell them, what are you doing? You need to take care of yourself. Absolutely. But with me, I'm like, oh, I can take care of it. I it's can, fine. It's like, yeah, I'll handle it. It's <laughs> not a big deal. So, yeah. Yeah. Not very good at it. So you talked a little bit about your self-care, your methods, and I know that at some point you said that you felt like you you hit a wall and realized that you had to make the time for yourself. Yes. Um, were there any other times that you realized that you were putting your patients
1: before your own mental and or physical health and what that was like? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the challenges, and again, just like your husband, my fiance is on top of me with that stuff. I find myself wanting to help everybody. So I could have multiple calls in a day, two, three, four phone calls from new clients. And rather than saying to myself, okay, Georgia, you cannot cram more people into the days, you have to create space or time find myself asking for the insurance information. I find myself asking for emails so I could start the process. And so that's one of the things that I realized that I also have to be mindful of that it's not worthwhile packing every hour with clients because then realistically how much time do you get to rest or to take and do notes or or those things that are needed in between and so that's something that I know I have to I really really have to work on in fact I'll be honest with you I had to speak to one of the insurance companies yesterday and to tell them I am probably going to be getting off that panel because I I know I'm not holding myself accountable in that regard taking mm. on probably a little bit more than I need to or should be taking on yeah
0: and that's important to to know that and to be yeah. aware of that and just say, you know what, I think that I'm going to have to mm-hmm. just not be a part of this. I think that's yeah. yeah, important for time. And that's something that just like you said, you find yourself always wanting to help one more person, yeah. do one more thing. Yeah, I have the same thing, but it's kind of like, are we going to take care of ourselves so that we yeah. can keep going or are we just yeah. going to keep going and going and going until we crash mm-hmm. and burn basically?
1: So. And, it's, and it, it is a challenge. You know, it's a challenge. The humanitarian part of you, the professional in you wants to help. You know, I remember getting a phone call from somebody yesterday. And the moment I started talking, this woman just broke down and started crying. No, I'm sure if I probably took her insurance, I'd probably be scrambling to find some space to put her in. But I had to reach out to a couple of my colleagues because the insurance she had, I don't take it. But it's, it's always that that thin line of needing to recognize that you can't save the world, but you want to anyway. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, that's why we got into this, right? Yeah. We we got into this
0: to, to help people and to hopefully overall make the world a better place. So
1: yeah.
0: when, you know, we have that drive and when we're not able to do that, I think there's a certain amount, maybe you, I'm not sure what it's like for you, but there's a certain amount of guilt sometimes mm-hmm. of not being able to do that if we can't help mm-hmm. every person. It's like, absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. So. Absolutely, it's been it's been a rough year. Right. Twenty twenty was just what is it? It's the end of... So it's about a year that we've been in this Mm -hmm. sort of pandemic, all the things going on and just lockdowns and social unrest and watching unarmed Black citizens be murdered in the streets with little or no known provocation. We had the terrorist attack at the Capitol. We've just had so much going on in terms of the chaos and the stressors. Can you talk a little bit about how those things have impacted your mental health as a Black mental health professional, because a lot of things that have been going on have differentially impacted our community. So can you talk a little bit about how that's impacted your overall mental health?
1: I'll tell you what is interesting now that you're actually talking about it. I can't even, I will honestly say, Dr. Marsha, I've probably not even thought about it. I think because again, with the influx of clients that I had last year, holding space for other people somehow pushes you on the back burner, you know? And so, mm. and, and and I wouldn't be surprised if there are a lot of other therapists who probably are in the same space as I am that we've not really even processed the implications of all of what was happening because we were so focused intently on taking care of the needs of our clients and being so uh, uh, creating room for more people coming on board. Mm. So I, I will be, I'll be honest in saying I've not really sat down and I've thought about it every now and again, but to say introspectively, really sat down and think about the impact it's had on me. I don't think I've even given myself room to think.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a a, a good point because I think when you don't have time, like when you're just mm-hmm. running around from here to there, trying to put out fires and trying to save the world and, and help other people sometimes. Yeah. You you don't have that time for the introspection and to just kind of take stock of everything that's going on because it's huge. And so I I wonder like how even that impacts us in terms of our mental health because we're aware of it because we've seen the news. We know what's going on. It's not like we're completely in a bubble bubble. you're still existing and you hear this. And I I would imagine that at least some of your clients may have also come in with concerns about what was going on. And so I'm wondering, I know that you haven't really had a great deal of time to sort of stop and think about it and process it in terms of your kind of place and your feeling and all of this overall what's really Mm -hmm. happening. But can you talk a little bit about Was there any effect in terms of clients coming in to talk about their fears related to the pandemic, the social unrest, the terrorist attacks, things like that? Was there any part of that that impacted you
1: knowing that you too were affected? Does that make sense? No, it does. It does. I guess as we're listening to clients.
0: You know, Mm -hmm, you
1: are, you're doing real time. You're hearing, you're observing what's happening around you and you're interfacing real time regarding these issues. I think, you know, just in hindsight, just thinking about one particular client, I had a male. I know he, when he came to see me, he talked about feeling micro, microaggression at work or feeling maybe racially profiled, that kind of thing, or being held back. Because of the color of his skin, and it was in the thick of all of what was going on with, with George Floyd, so okay. I couldn't help but ignore that. I couldn't. I, I really had to become very pensive with him, and it probably it made me want to stay right in that space with him to really explore and to really go in depth concerning that particular concern that he had. Because there were other things that he came to therapy about, but that was really at the top of of, of things. And maybe in a weird sort of way. You know, I remember somebody posted something in one of the groups on Facebook about sometimes you give advice to people in therapy and you're getting advice for yourself in the meantime. Mm-hmm. And I just, just, I remember commenting on that post and just thinking a lot of my own personal processing and my own personal deliverance comes sitting with clients. So even just thinking of this particular client, me being so intentional about going in depth and being very slow with talking about that particular issue, because it was the overarching issue of the day, maybe in that sort of way. Yes, I was trying to help the client, but I think maybe that was also me trying to help myself. Okay. You're getting me some revelation right now, Dr. Marsha.
0: <laughs> it's it's yeah. quite possible. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. So okay. And thinking about it now, because you haven't really had I think there's a difference between having had the time to sit down yeah. and really think about something and process something. Yeah. And being impacted by something. Because I think mm-hmm. that a lot of times, even if we don't necessarily have an opportunity to sit down and process things, mm-hmm. they still impact us in little ways yes. that we might not be yeah. able to sort of put our finger on. So what can you talk a little bit about your thoughts on that? Like if, if sure.
1: Sure. I will, as I'm, as I'm thinking, no, I'm thinking of during 2020 with all that racial unrest. I remember having clients who were not black maybe a Caucasian or another ethnic group, maybe at my first session or or when the individuals would reach out to me for therapy, in my mind, I think I'd probably be thinking to myself, I wonder if they know that I'm a Black woman okay. or sitting in that first session with them. I would be thinking, I wonder what they're thinking if they didn't know I was, I'm Black and now they're discovering that I am Black, you know? Right. And then I'd be thinking, I wonder if they had checked my profile to know that they're going to be speaking to a Black woman. Right. It's kind of weird what what part of it's weird the fact that i was actually thinking not not giving it excessive thought like processing it too much but the those thoughts actually crossed my mind and they did what makes you say that that was weird not that i'm thinking about it um i didn't know that that was probably me responding responding okay. in a maybe from a subconscious standpoint to what was going on around me mm. so there were implications after all maybe i've not spent time processing all of what was happening, but I was responding.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. Just sort of thinking about things a little more or things that you wouldn't normally think about yeah. or wonder about or be apprehensive about, really, right? Yeah. Wondering mm-hmm. if, uh, does this person know who I am or what I look like, things like that. That's interesting. Yeah. So, oh, that's, yeah, that is really interesting. Just the way that sometimes things impact us, even if we don't mm-hmm. like really consciously. Yeah. It. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. That's really yeah. interesting. Do you want to talk a little bit about, talk a little bit more about your practice? I know you talked a little bit in the beginning, but can you tell us more about who you specialize in, where your practice
1: is located, and also how people can get in touch with you? Absolutely. I am based in, of course, everybody's pretty much working from home. So the office space is based in Hollywood, Florida, building families according to pattern. And as the name suggests, I am about building families. I think the engineering bent in me doesn't go away construction, building, those kinds of things. Um, systems. Oh my gosh. I love, you know, I know a lot of, a lot of therapists don't necessarily work with the whole family system itself. It's tough, Dr. Marsha, but somehow I think because that's just who I am, I gravitate. I think systems all the time, you know? And so I really enjoy working with whole family units. I enjoy working with children, teens, but it's always a pleasure bringing parents together with their children and just seeing the transformation that occurs in terms of their thought process. Because oftentimes we always think it's the person with the issue. That is the issue. But but right. then when you begin to expand the conversation, even within couples therapy, people's eyes just open up and they start realizing, well, you know what? Maybe a, a is not just only affecting B. B is also affecting A, which is leading to causing A to affect B. That circular causality thing is at work. I enjoy that process a lot. I also am a certified uh, professional life coach. I specialize in personal and professional development, as well as leadership development. And so now I'm looking to marry both worlds. We know that corporate America or the business arena doesn't necessarily view therapy the way therapists view therapy. You know, there is that significant right. stigma and those barriers that stand in the way of people in the business arena really accessing the support that we want to provide and which they need. So now being able to transition into that space more, maybe doing less of therapy Uh, one-on-one or behind closed doors and getting more into that corporate setting where I'm able to do more mental health training and personal development, those kinds of things with a mental health piece, always running through it. That's the next frontier. That's where I'm looking to push into. So I guess you probably call it like consultancy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Those are very interesting things and much needed
0: as as well. Definitely much needed. It is,
1: especially now, Um, I think it's a wonderful time for us psychotherapists or people in our field to really capitalize and start getting engaged in these settings. I was reading an article where they were saying that the physical impact of COVID is going to become secondary to the mental implications of COVID. And so now Mm -hmm. a lot of businesses are looking to pivot in that regard. So where mental health issues were a back burner issue at one point in time, a lot more companies are beginning to put an emphasis on mental health awareness because they recognize that these employees that you have, they're your golden goose. And if they're not functioning Right. There's no business. Absolutely.
0: And I think that's important. I think it's important that I think a lot of companies are also seeing that you can't have physical health without mental health and vice versa. It's so important in mental health. Everyone has a vested interest in mental health. But I think, as you said, there's just that stigma attached Mm -hmm. to it. And so no one wants to talk about it. We are starting to have more conversations, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. But I don't think we're really talking about it enough Mm-hmm. especially in light of everything that's gone on with the pandemic that has just crushed so many people everything. just mm-hmm. ruined lives and absolutely it's changed everything and impacted everyone the world over so i think it's really important to to really have that conversation absolutely yeah can you tell everybody your website one more time
1: So I don't have an official website, but I can be found on Psychology Today. I can be found on a number of directories, whether it's therapy for Black girls, therapy for Black men. You Google me, you're going to find me. I am on social media platforms. I am on Facebook as Building Families According to Pattern. And so clients are, potential clients are able to reach me in any number of places. Yeah. Okay.
0: That's excellent. Mm I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to previous episodes of the show, but the final thing is called The Finisher. And it's just a question that has nothing to do with mental health, self-care. It's just a a random question. So for you, what, let's see, what are the top
1: three travel destinations on your bucket list? (sighs) Let's see. I'm thinking Hawaii. I'm thinking Hawaii. And I think one of my clients kind of spurred me on for thinking at that because she just randomly decided I'm going to Hawaii and booked a ticket on Thursday night and Friday she was out. I'm like, okay, That's a baller. I could do that. Excellent. <laughs> I'm thinking Hawaii. I've always wanted to go to Europe. I've been to Germany, but I've always wanted to go to London and Paris. And you know what? I had tickets bought to go and then COVID showed up.
0: Mm. so
1: yes I was supposed to go to Italy and uh, Paris and then COVID came but the tickets are still viable so I still have up until December 2023 to do something about that and that's one thing that's one trip I definitely want to make and you know what I've always had a fascination with Dubai tried going there once somehow it just did not pan out yeah so I'd say definitely European travel Dubai and Hawaii yeah Okay. Those are awesome destinations. Yeah. Fantastic. (laughs) That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you again so much for being here, Georgia Bryce. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Dr. Marsha. The pleasure was all mine. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for joining me for the Self-Care Chronicle. If you enjoyed today's show, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Also, be sure to subscribe to the Self-Care Chronicle on your favorite podcast platform. To find out more about today's episode, or to listen to additional episodes, visit DrMarshaBrown.com. See you next time.